day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Perhaps it's incumbent upon us to revisit our stubbornness and disobedience in the sight of the Lord and to again allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and see if there be any wicked, stubborn, rebellious ways in us, whatever it is that would keep us from knowing Him, loving Him, hearing Him. Your relationships with the people you love take work. To give 100%, you need to do such things as examine yourself for stubbornness, work on your patience, and ask for forgiveness. As Pastor J.D. reminds us today, it should be no different in your relationship with your Savior. He wants your whole heart and your 100%. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Titus, chapter 1, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. It's convicting, and it needs to be. But this was a carnal church, a worldly church. And it sounds from what Paul writes in his first epistle that They thought of themselves that they were all that, as we would say. And Paul has to rebuke them sharply, as he tells Titus to do with the elders he appoints in the church there. And here's what he says to them. Remember, you were one of them, as were some of you. And you know what the context of that is? He's talking about people there in Corinth that were homosexuals, that were living lives of debauchery and hedonism. You see, you were like that before you came to Christ, as were some of you. And it was when somebody cared enough and loved you enough to rebuke you sharply that you came to the truth and you came to Christ. That's what you need to do with them. We don't like that, do we? You know why? Because we want people to like us. And if we sharply rebuke them, they'll unfriend us, unfollow us, and block us. Right? I want to spend a little bit of time on the eighth question in verse 14. And it's the question of, am I legalistic? (laughs) Again, this is a biggie. I don't know if it's possible to overstate how dangerous legalism is. And the reason I say it like that is because legalism has this built-in propensity to bring people back into bondage under the law. And I'll take it a step further and suggest that legalism gets dangerously close to blasphemy such that it negates the finished work on the cross. Because here's what legalism says. It is finished, comma, 
it is finished if. It is finished but. It is finished when. See, now you're adding a legalistic requirement under the law. It's not finished then. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. It is at best a slap in the face of the Savior Himself. May it never be. Legalism is a killer, literally. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. I think about the account in the book of Exodus when the law came down with Moses from Mount Sinai. Remember that? 3,000 people died. Here's Moses with the Ten Commandments, the two tablets. They'd already broken them, and then (laughs) symbolically the tablets themselves were broken. 3,000 Israelites died when the law came down. Fast forward to the aforementioned book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came down. 3,000 people got saved. That's not a coincidence. The law kills. Legalism kills. The Spirit gives life. Number nine. Am I corrupted? Here in verse 15, Paul says that there were those whose minds and consciences were corrupted. And as such, everything they viewed and everyone they viewed was corrupted as well. To the corrupt, all things are corrupted. But conversely, for those who were walking in the purity and the liberty of Christ, all things that the legalists would forbid were pure and permitted. Let me expound on that just a little bit. There's more to this when you peel back the layers on this. You know how it is when somebody's a liar. I mean, we have terms for them, pathological liars. I mean, these are professional liars. These, these are people that have a PhD in lying. These are, they're so good at lying, they believe their own lies. That's a liar. Apparently there was a fair share of them there in Crete, as Paul would say. But if you're a liar, don't you see everybody else as a liar? If you're a liar and you're talking to somebody, because you're a liar, you think they're a liar too. And it works both ways. If you're honest and you're walking in integrity, you naively believe that everyone else is also walking in integrity. Because your mind is not corrupted. You don't think that way. You think because you're honest, and you you wouldn't lie or cheat, that the person you're dealing with, they're not going to, they wouldn't do that. Oh, Oh, yes they would, and are. You know, sometimes uh, Christians can be so gullible. 
so naive. Many years ago, I, this is back in the day when Christian business directories were a big thing. So you had the, you know, directory of Christian-owned businesses. Because after all, you want to do business with Christians, right? Keep it in the family. I don't think that's right, because we're supposed to be salt and light. And if I only do business with Christians, then how am I ever going to be a witness to the world? Actually, I want to share this. I think this might be the Holy Spirit. Um, Again, many, many years ago, the guy that did my hair, (laughs) I'm using a hair illustrator, but just bear with me. Um, he, he left, and so I was looking for a hairdresser, and at the time I, I had more hair, and, it, and my hair is not easy hair to cut. In fact, actually I, I should have been looking for a landscaper, because all you really need is a... So I prayed, and I, and I thought, okay, you know, I want to find a hairdresser that's not a Christian, and I want to witness to them, and uh, you know, <laughs> of course, I'm not off to a very good start. I walked in. I remember one time I walked in, you know, it's a big, you know, sandwich board. Walk-ins welcome. I had a big afro. I walked in, and they looked at me and said, we don't have any openings. (laughs) I was really quite traumatized by that, actually. So I'm looking for a hairdresser, and I prayed. And then I at the time, again, this is going to date me, this is many years ago, land far, far away, long time ago, once upon a time. I looked in the phone book, and I started calling, and I asked, you know, I, I need a hairdresser that is familiar with and good with my, my kind of hair, you know, like that can cut a Brillo pad, basically, yes, <laughs> you know. And so I, I called a couple places, and, and to their credit, they were honest. They're like, yeah, you know, we really don't have anybody. <laughs> Do you have a sign that says, walk-ins, welcome to? Anyway, so I called the next one on the list, and sure enough, I get a hold of this one place, and uh, she says, I have just the person for you. So I scheduled an appointment, went in. She cut my hair, did a great job, got to know her, went back a couple more times, And she gave her life to Christ as a result of it. I only share that because if we're going to be salt and light, we're in the world but not of the world, right? But back in that day, (laughs) there were those who would put a fish in their yellow page ad just to get the Christians who were so gullible and get their business. And then they would just take them to the cleaners. They're not Christians. But they knew that Christians were loyal and gullible and wanted to do business with other Christians. Oh, you're a Christian too? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These are the kind of people that were there in Crete in that day, and dare I say, they're alive and well today. Last question, and we'll spend the remainder of our time on this one. In verse 16, (laughs) I'm already busted on, you know, the other questions. So if you were doing pretty good up until this point, gotcha. (laughs) I got me too. 
Am I disobedient? One can't help but take note of the strength with which Paul writes this, saying that these people were detestable, disobedient, and disqualified. Wow. Being obedient rises to the level of being detestable, and being disobedient can also disqualify me. You better believe it. Think King Saul. I want to actually close with the account of Samuel confronting King Saul, sharply rebuking King Saul, if you prefer. But before we do, there's one more question that I want to ask. And I want you to think this through with me. It's not a trick question. It might seem like it at first. What's the one thing that you and I can give to God that He doesn't necessarily already have? You know how it is when you're trying to figure out what gift do I buy the person that has everything? Well, God has everything. No, He doesn't. What's the one thing that God does not necessarily have? Our obedience. What's the one thing that we can give to God that would bless the heart of God? Our obedience. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 17 through 23. Again, very sobering. And I think we would do well to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. So, verse 17, Samuel said, When you were little, speaking to Saul, in your own eyes, Were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, verse 20, listen to his excuse and response. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in Gilgal. (laughs) Translated, I know I didn't quite do 
all that God commanded me to do. I know that I kind of disobeyed and, you know, in this one little area, just a little thing. We don't like to call sin, sin anymore. We uh, really take the edge off it and soften it up and call sin things like issues. Just have, you know, some issues. No, you have sin, sin. Call it sin. Because when you call it sin, then God can forgive it and cleanse it. If you call it an issue, what you're saying is hands off. Just a small issue over here. That's what Saul's doing here. Ah, come on. Lighten up, Samuel. What's the big deal? I just, we just took a little, and of course we're going to sacrifice it to the Lord. What's wrong with that? I have a word for it. You know what that word is? Oh, we're really good at it. You ready? Wait for it. It's called justification. We justify it. Oh, it's okay. And we justify our disobedience and our sin. Well, Samuel's response, verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion, listen to this, is as the sin of witchcraft. And oh, by the way, (laughs) he did that. Remember? And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Stop right there. What? Stubbornness? I'm kind of stubborn sometimes. And so are you too, so don't look at me all spiritual. Do you realize that when we're stubborn, it's as iniquity and idolatry? That's not good. (laughs) That's really bad. Or as we say, very bad, very, very bad. (laughs) Stubbornness. We don't think of stubbornness. You know, I'm a little (laughs) thick-headed. Yeah, nice try. You're full of iniquity and idolatry. That's what stubbornness is in the sight of the Lord. And then he says this, and I cannot even begin to imagine, because after this it was all downhill for Saul. He would never be the same again. The kingdom is going to be torn from him and given to a young boy, his name David. And he says this to Samuel, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. I wish there was a better way to end the sermon, but there's not. I say this of myself, 
Please know this. But perhaps it's incumbent upon us to revisit our stubbornness and disobedience in the sight of the Lord. And to again allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and see if there be any wicked, stubborn, rebellious ways in us, whatever it is that would keep us from knowing Him, loving Him, hearing Him. And again, never imagine that God is full of wrath or anger or vindictive with us. He's very gentle. It's for our own good. It would be akin to going to the doctor and having the doctor say, you've got cancer and we need to cut it out or it's going to kill you. So we let the doctor cut us open and take out that which has the potential to kill us. And so too is God's Word sharper than any two-edged sword, see it as a surgical instrument to perform spiritual surgery, to remove the sin of cancer in our lives before it kills us. One last thing, and I think it's just, I mean, it brings it full circle. Do you know how Saul would ultimately die? It would be at the hands of an Amalekite. Think about this. He was commanded to utterly destroy the Amalekites before the Amalekites destroyed them. And that is what the Spirit would say to us as His church today. Destroy the Amalekite of sin in your life before it destroys you. Had Saul but obeyed the command of the Lord, it would have ended so differently. But his life would come to a tragic end at the hand of the very one that God had commanded him to destroy. That's the grace and mercy of God. That's the love of God who loves us so much. He's trying to protect us from that which would destroy us. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Titus may seem small and insignificant, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's all about the truth, and that can both change and inspire. And who doesn't need to be inspired in their walk with Jesus every now and then? As you read through the book of Titus, be encouraged to evaluate your life and the things you let into your heart. Be still before the Lord and ask Him to draw nearer to you. Ask Him to teach you His truth and let that overflow into your everyday life, just as Paul did. If you haven't yet found a home church, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. You were never meant to do life alone. 
If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to visit us. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. next time to learn more from the book of Titus, right here on In Spirit and Truth.